Welcome to Knives Out Minute, I'm your host Darren. Uh, my guest this week is Ollie Brady, and today we are covering minute number 77, which is an hour and 27 to an hour and 27.59, uh, I think, is that correct? I yes. hope so, because otherwise maths has broken on us. <laughs> um, and uh, we start this minute, we're finally, we're in the nice, I mean, I'll say this, it looks really comfy, uh, it's lit by fireplace, um, the lighting in this minute is is kind of fantastic, and the next minute, and you know the kind of previous th- twenty seconds of the last minute, uh, we're in the living room. It's the evening. Alan is there, kind of trying to talk through with all the different thrombies. Um, in the last minute, we mostly had input from Walter, Linda, and um, Richard. In this minute, everybody's thrown in their two cents, as they say in America, uh, about whether or not the will will stand up. And, you know, we pretty much kind of get just the discussion between Alan and the family. Um, and then we get at the end of it. They kind of talk about um, the Slayer clause. Uh, and then <laughs> all eyes, as it says in the script, turn to blank, um, who this whole time has been sitting in a chair by the fire lost in thought, which is a different fire, isn't it? It's another fire over the other side. It's, it's in a different yeah, room. It's, yeah, it's lo- true. Through the big, <laughs> it, they must be 10 foot tall doors. Yeah into the other version of the sitting room. Like, th- that's one of the great things about the set decoration in this house and just the sets in general. Like, Harlan spent his money well. Like, yeah. That is a house that <laughs> you would be very happy to wander around and, you know, spend time in. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. So he's, he's next to a different fire. Um, and in the next minute, we will get some of the kind of trailer lines, some of the best lines, I would say, in the entire script from... Um, Benoit Blanc but for this we finish with uh, Joni saying Detective Blanc you said that the investigation is continuing now interestingly in the script it says Detective Blanc with a K not a C Um, so something (laughs) obviously that is not seen on screen but I just thought it was interesting to note Um, yeah so I mean what are your thoughts on this minute like I said it's nice and cosy I do kind of love the I mean I'm not going to speak to this because obviously I'm not a cinematographer um, but it looks like they've used mostly natural light in terms of like lighting everyone there. It's it definitely comes yeah, across that way. Yeah. Like it's a real. I mean, obviously the people are listening have have watched the movie, or I'd hope they've watched the movie. <laughs> Otherwise, spoilers. Um, but it's a beautiful orange glow on everybody, and it feels like it's a a real flickering source to the light, and it it feels like it's coming from the left hand side of the room yeah. as we start the shot. But um, yeah, I I love it. I, I genuinely think this might be up there with the last five minutes i think this minute might be the best minute in the entire thing because as i was saying in the last episode everything we need to know about this family is laid out in this little five minute section and this minute tells us everything we need to know about Joni, richard and walter because all they come up with is how do we how do we go against our father's will yeah like not how did this happen not is there any justification about it? It's them throwing stuff at Alan. How do I fix this? How do we revert this back to ourselves? And it really speaks to their characters that even when he shuts it down, it, it's, but, but why? But why? And he's like, because that's just how it is. And he's matter-of-factly saying to them, it doesn't matter that you're rich. It doesn't matter that you've had this life of luxury and you think, as you said in the last episode, they think they're self-made people. It doesn't matter any of this stuff. Legally, you are not in any way, shape or form entitled to this 
money. And it, you can see from the looks on their faces and how angry Walter is beginning to get <laughs> yeah. that these people have never been told you're not entitled to this because their level of entitlement has been everything I want, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because, like you say, like each of the characters is, you know, obviously Jacob, which is Walt's son, uh, the Nazi, uh, I think is how people have described him previously. Yeah. Um, you know, he comes up with what about undue influence? And then Walt agrees. He's like, yes, what about undue influence? And I like that when Alan says, did you just Google that? Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't reply like he doesn't say anything. But then later on, when Joni says, what about the Slayer rule? She get, she, she yeah, she, she stops and goes, I did just Google that. Like. You know, because obviously her phone is right in her face, so there's no denying it. But I, I kind of like how that shows that, like, you know, Walt is kind of desperately, like, kind of grasping at anything, and you know, the fact that Jacob won't admit that he just googled something, which you know, what, where's the, like, what's the downside of that? Like, everybody can see you got the phone in your hand, like, but the fact that he won't respond to Alan, admit yeah, it, that yeah. that kind of shows what he's like. And then when you see, you know, Linda saying, you know, she's he's got gotten her hooks into him and Walter kind of piling on that, then you kind of get Alan. And I, I love the way that Frank Oz does the delivery where he's like, you need a strong case. And it's like, you've got nothing. You know, she endeared herself through hard work and good humor. And being nice. Yeah, yeah. being like, nice. It's like, it's just, <laughs> it's not going to work. Like, that's not illegal. You can't challenge it in the courts because she was nice to your father. That was her job. Like, she was paid to do that. You know, like, that was that was the whole thing. Uh, and obviously that's something that also in, in a few minutes time when we go back to Ransom, um, the closeness of her to Harlan is something that will kind of come into their discussion as well. Um, and then obviously when we they talk about the Slayer rule and it's like, you know, what is this? You know, even Richard is like, what the hell is the Slayer rule? You know, they kind of talk about how like you can't get it if you killed the person, which feels obvious. Like, you know, if you murdered someone, yeah, you, you, course, you can't yeah. get their inheritance. Um, but obviously Alan says not convicted, you, you know, it doesn't need to go to court. It, you know, it, like it doesn't need to be a criminal thing. It just needs to be they're responsible for their death. And of course, if it's a, it, as a civil action, yeah. I think he describes yeah. and, it. And then somebody like OJ. <laughs> like OJ. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's funny because he when when he says the words not even convicted, even if they're held responsible for their death in civil court, that is telling the viewer, uh oh. Martin might might fit that description like so it's it's kind of making it as the viewer at this point in the film you're thinking well now there's a strong chance that Martin will lose because she was responsible for his death but in a roundabout way like you know it was an, an accident and everything but then she covered it up so that makes her look guilty so there's like a whole you know there's a few different layers there of like Alan just saying that you know to kind of state it to the family but also to let the viewer in on the idea that well maybe Martin might might actually lose all this um, and then, of course, you know, Alan points out Harlan committed suicide. And I like that that's kind of where they stop listening to Alan and they all turn towards Blank. Who, oh, but, they turn towards the door. Yeah. There's a zoom in <laughs> through the giant door to the next fireplace. And Benoit Blank's sitting at, I think they're referred to, when they're set like that, I think it's called conversation chairs. Yeah. So it's in front of the fire and there's, there's no other focus. It would just be you talking to another person but it's at a, a natural angle of you know 37 degrees i think i remember genuinely reading about that, <laughs> that there is a way to set those chairs up properly but that's yeah. what it is there's a fireplace and you'd be there with your bottle of brandy and or bottle of brandy glass of brandy, <laughs> well, I mean, and somebody would be yeah if it's a bottle yeah. it's been a long it's been a long isolation yeah. period but there's somebody sitting at, at the other chair 
with their glass of cognac and you're having a lovely well i was gonna say lovely conversation but if you've had a bottle of cognac you're probably just shouting abuse at each other at this stage but yeah so it you know the fact that they the this minute again this is something i think previous hosts and guests have pointed out the film does seem to go in like little minute segments and they kind of finish here by like okay that's it we're done listening to alan we don't (laughs) like he's not telling us what we want to hear but now we've got the kind of the trump card if you will which is Benoit Blanc has been here all along investigating. Um, and mm-hmm. again, not wanting to spoil stuff, but obviously that is deliberate. His presence is, you know, it's not an accident. He wasn't called in by the police, as he's, you know, stated in the first few minutes when he, he kind of talked about why he's here. You know, and he doesn't know who paid him, but he's been paid to come here and investigate this, even though it seems like it's just a simple, you know, suicide. Um, and obviously we already know that's not the case and we already know that Benoit Blanc has kind of investigated certain elements of, you know, uh, kind of the mo- the kind of um, the um, alibi effectively <laughs> of Marta without realising he's been, you know, checking her alibi. Um, so I think it's a nice little kind of setup to, you know, I don't want to talk too much about Benoit Blanc, obviously, because we get a whole minute of him coming up. Um, but I do like the kind of yeah. the, the way that it, there's a line put under it of like, we're done listening to Alan because he's just not helping us. He keeps kind of shooting us well, down. But maybe... Alan has rebuffed them yes. at this yeah. stage from the legal recourse. So now the only thing that they feel they have is we need to prove that this wasn't a suicide. This was a murder. Yeah. Um, what I think is really well done about the movie in general, um, but in particular, this scene has much greater... Uh, impact because we already know what happened and I think a lesser filmmaker in a lesser movie would have kept the reveal of how Harlan died until after this yeah but because we already know this like so he, he doesn't need to spend time with Anna explaining it to Ransom we already know so it's not a secret so that we can have this little focus scene on the family while she's explaining stuff to Ransom but we already know, as you said, as soon as somebody says, but did he? <laughs> yeah. There's enough information for us to realise that actually, technically, this could have been caused by Anna. So cut to, cut to the Benoit Blanc and there's a real sense of actually maybe that's why he's here. And also... He's here. Something we something her. we didn't kind of mention yesterday, but obviously... The reason that Ransom baited, you know, uh, Marta with um, sausage and beans and, you know, is kind of making a, you know, forcing her to tell the truth. Um, you know, the the whole setup for that is because he's he's after the he's after the information that she has already flashed back to, like, you know, half an hour ago. Yeah. Um, you know, so he wants to find out what she knows. And, you know, that is also the thing that could set her up potentially uh, to lose all the money in the will. And so obviously, you know, while we're with the family, Marta is, you know, is basically telling Ransom what happened in the film 20 minutes ago. Like, you know, so uh, and when we go back, that that's what we'll kind of find out is that that's what she's been doing while we've been off screen. Um, you know, at the, at the same time that the, the family are finding out that there might be a way to overturn uh, the will, she is the she will, is yeah. telling Ransom how the will could be overturned <laughs> so i like that we've kind of got those parallels but at the same time like you say a lesser filmmaker would have had the scene with anna diamas saying to chris evans everything that we already know uh, which of course is completely redundant there's no need to do that we can remember what she said you know like 30 minutes ago so you know i like that they don't bother they don't kind of don't bother doing that i'm trying to think of 
Uh, what it reminds me of, this is going to seem a little off the beaten track, but is the TV show The Wire. In in the first yeah. season, it takes them five or six episodes to get a wiretap going. And, you know, they have it for a few episodes before the drug dealers, you know, stop using the phones and the whole thing falls apart. And then, you know, the bosses ruin everything, you know, end of season one. Um, you know, where's Wallace? And in season two... <laughs> In season two, by the second episode, there's already the idea that we want a wiretap on this particular guy because of this thing. And then the wiretap is up straight away. In season three of The Wire, you start and they've already got a wiretap going. Almost as if, yeah. you know, David Simon is like, "Don't we don't need to explain it again a third time, like how a wiretap works. Just jump in. We, we know this is how yeah. it works. So we don't need to show how many hoops they have to jump yeah. through. They're just there. I, I was thinking of... Um, I was thinking of Saw because I watched a retrospective about the Saw movies there yes. last week. Uh, Mr. Sunday Movies on YouTube is, is going through they at are. the minute. And they should um, really be covering Saw 4 because those... They, 2, they 3, should. 4 is a trilogy by itself. Three, 3 doesn't wrap things up despite what they said in the most recent episode. So when I was saying about how they revealed... They revealed what happened with Anna, um, Anna Diarmas' character um, earlier, and Marta. Um, something like Saw or Hostel would have legitimately left that as a flashback at the end. Yeah. And I don't think Knives Out works if we don't know that Marta is innocent. Yeah. Like, as you said, maybe in a civil court, there's fault in play here. But she 100% loved Harlan. She was friends with, she was legitimately his friend and was heartbroken when this happened. But we know this. So therefore... It's not, there's no, did she? Did she? <laughs> yeah. Is she at fault? And that's how, that's what I think would have been set up in a, a lesser movie. Because we'd still be at this point going, maybe Marta did do it for the money. Whereas we know for a fact she didn't. Yeah. And it, it's, it, makes, it makes this scene more tense for me. Because I'm sitting there going, wait, no, maybe these family, this family are going to find a way to weasel out of this. <laughs> and sweet little... Uh, Marta who's done nothing but look after her family and look after this old man and you know actually spend time with him and get to be friends with him is going to end up either in prison or deported to whatever country she happens to be from. <laughs> yeah yeah I think I, I think the early because like when you're watching the film the early reveal the first time you're like what is going on here but I think in repeated viewings the early reveal you know it makes sense because the audience needs to be ahead of the family but they, but they yeah. don't need to be ahead of the actual murderer, and they or Benoit. Yeah. So, oh yeah, or the detective even. So you know, they don't, they the the person that you're ahead of is just everybody in the family who doesn't know what's going on, and they all seem puzzled and they don't know how, what's going. Like their lives are falling apart, and they don't know why. You know, so you you need to be ahead of them, but you know, you also need to know that Marta is innocent because you have to have the tension of. Well, now there's a possibility, even if it wasn't, you know, a, a murder, there's a possibility that in a civil case, they could end up getting all the money off Marta anyway, and that would end up being a lot worse. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting that that's the kind of conflict that's set up. Um, but also, um, you know, it, it leading into the next minute, we then kind of get an idea of, um, you know, why Benoit Blanc is still here. Because, <laughs> because, you know, at this point, you know, you could argue he could have been done by now, like... You know, why is he even around for the... He could have Why been, is yeah. he still here for the will reading? Like, I guess he might... He, I think... I guess maybe you could argue he was watching the will reading just in case 
somebody revealed their motives like you know uh, someone gets something and that means you know one of the other people you know there's an outburst or something happens where it reveals something but obviously that didn't happen uh, although technically i think you know it kind of did somebody did reveal something after that will reading but it's i'd be honest it's a super comfy cherry <laughs> yeah so there's a little bit of me thinks he's just hanging around because he is enjoying the opulence and the leather back <laughs> high back chair and he's just like yeah, I'm sitting in front of a fire. This is yeah, good. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks so cosy that you're like, yeah, maybe you just hang around just to see what's going on. Uh, but again, he, obviously he's been paid to hang around. And I think for most of the film, you're kind of, you know, you're getting him as a method of, of some of the backstory and, you know, kind of the motivations, uh, which again, you know, uh, as one of the detectives said, are weak source. But it kind of fills in the gaps of like who these the different members of the family are. And, you know, obviously he's useful for that. But then as we get into the second half of the film, as we are now, we get to see him kind of, you know, be more useful for the family themselves rather than whoever hired him. Um, yeah, but we'll talk more about that in the next minute. Um, you know, there is a question for today, which is uh, what's your general thoughts on, you know, murder mystery films? Uh, you know, obviously this is a murder mystery film. I'm guessing you probably saw it because it was Ryan Johnson and... Daniel Craig and Anna Diomas no. and the rest of it. As I said in my in my last episode, <laughs> dude, we're in Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so, um, and I, I went to see it. I hate watch this. In yeah, the um, yeah. Uh, I like I like murder mysteries. Um, I used to read a lot of them. Um, back, you know, I used to read way way more varied than I do now. Now I, I feel like I'm regressing because I'm, I'm forty plus, and I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to live in my fantasy and I'm going to enjoy <laughs> reading these fantasy novels. Um, and at least I'm getting more diverse in the fantasy I'm reading, but um, I've really narrowed it down or, or you know, sort of dropped off from reading murder mysteries. But yeah, there's something really nice about going into a movie and knowing that there's going to be a twist and whether or not you can figure out a twist. Cause that like realistically, that's what every murder mystery is. Yeah. And yeah. Even this one, which is about as good as the genre can get, still has a twist for us to get to at some stage. Yeah, and I, I like I like that. I like that. Can I figure it out? Now, ninety nine percent of the time, you're not going to figure it out. In this movie, you're not going to figure it out because it's genuinely interesting. In most movies, you're not going to fill it or figure it out because they will keep one key piece of information that somebody doesn't reveal <laughs> until twenty seconds from the end. You you have um. Goldie Hawn's uh, daughter Kate Hudson would walk in and go oh by the way I was adopted like so <laughs> surely somebody else in the movie would have known that before this point yeah. right but so yeah I love my murder mysteries um, there's one thing about this one minute that I want to, to talk okay. about and it's two characters that don't say anything and it's Alan's assistant who has fallen asleep in the corner <laughs> yeah. and is on top of files and it clear like just showing her in the sleep uh, in that sleeping position, really awkward but clearly exhausted, really shows how much they've gone over that for the day. And it's a very clever way to just visually uh, indicate something. And the second thing is Meg, who is at the back of the room, not involved in the conversation, and just the way that the actress is standing, you get the impression that she's not on board with what the family are doing. Yeah. So she's just kind of almost in the room with Benoit but not and it really as I was saying about the start of the shot or in the last movie or sorry the last ep the last minute talking about the lineup of the importance of the family members 
and she's at the back because she's not at this point one with yeah. them. She is separate and standing off. And it, I think it's very cleverly done because little Nazi boy is slap bang in the middle of them, googling, <laughs> trying to find any sort of way to to get you know to get out of the the situation they're in. And I, I think those two characters really help to set the mood without ever speaking a word. And again, that's fantastic, fantastic film. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I mostly don't watch murder mystery films. I would say it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, this is a murder mystery. I must watch it. Uh, but I did used to enjoy Jonathan Creek, um, which <laughs> that's a very British which, reference, which towards the end kind of ended up turning into like a murder mystery film thing. Cause the seasons, you know, they were like two episodes, like they were like four episodes or no, I, th- I think the first was like five or six. And then there were like three episodes and then there were two episodes and then it would just be like, here's an Easter special and it's just like a two hour like film, essentially. Did that get supernaturally a bit at some stage? No, no, because I, I must be mixing up. With I just remember somebody saying to me that there was one of those shows, one of those BBC uh, crime dramas that it went a little bit off the rails and then they readjusted it and brought it back okay. but I mean they could have been talking about Sherlock yeah no I mean uh, you know I that I, I think the thing that the great thing about Jonathan Creek was obviously you know he's you know he's a magician's assistant and he comes up with magic tricks so the the way that he would always breaks it down was ha- like what you're seeing and how there was a trick to it um, and I think you know the last couple of like you know uh, I, w- I would say movies because that's effectively all they are is like ninety minute two hours. That's what they are. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would say like kind of the mysteries got a little less kind of interesting, um, and there were a couple where like there was no real mystery. Like somebody died, and it's like oh they just died, and you're like well, <laughs> I think you're missing the point of uh, like like you know, <laughs> that the whole point of this show is you know to do that and. Uh, you know, some of the kind of Agatha Christie adaptations that have been in recent years, I thought were enjoyable. Uh, but again, I, that felt like dim- diminishing returns with each adaptation. I, I Like, you know, they kind of picked this very, uh, I don't know, kind of oblique way of kind of doing backstories and stuff and not really introducing you to any of the characters by names and stuff like that. And you're like, did you did you enjoy Murder on the Orient Express? For yes, example? I did like that. Um, although I had, and I said this in my last run of episodes, I had that ruined when many years ago someone described it as the one where they all did it. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Well, like, well there you yeah, go. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's ruined yeah, that's, that. That's two hours saved for anybody who doesn't want to watch it. Um, but yeah, and, and the, I, the same with, um, I, well, actually a different host did mention uh, The Mousetrap, uh, which, you know, famously Paul Merton ruined the twist at the end on on how I got news for you, like I don't know, fifteen twenty years ago, when he said, "Oh, it's the one where the detective did it." Um, so you know, maybe they'll they'll go that route with Knives Out too, where uh, you know Benoit Blanc will be the murderer. Um, that would be a bold step forward. Um, so yeah, and then um, Knives Out three can be like John Wick three, where everyone's out <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk more about sequels tomorrow. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think we should say goodbye for now. Uh, is there anything that you wish to plug? Um, no, I, I'm not really currently doing any podcast myself, but I, I always like to throw one out for Medieval, so listen to Medieval Podcast. And I am technically doing a small podcast with my students. Oh, so you if you go on to SoundCloud and look up Defend Your Flicks, it's a bunch of teenage girls and their 40-year-old teacher not understanding <laughs> why they love Mamma Mia. So, or... Outer Banks, which apparently was a TV oh, show yeah, no, on it Netflix was. this yeah, year, with a lot of a lot of um, a lot of teenagers that were aged about thirty five as well. So, yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I had to point out to them that the main guy is actually factually 
closer to my age than <laughs> yeah. and they like for for girls who are legitimately young enough to be my child it really shook them I think <laughs> no he couldn't be like no he is he's like 29 oh, come on the internet's been around for like 25 years now you should be able to figure this out uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Knives Out Minute. I'm always happy when I manage to get the actual title of the the podcast as the actual handle, you know. So I was pretty pleased to get that. Uh, so, well, anyway, I will speak to you again tomorrow, Ollie. Uh, otherwise, uh, we will say goodbye. <laughs>